Hello there, this is the Daily Californian's Real Talk. Uh, this will be our continuing coverage on Game of Thrones, and today we're going to be talking about episode 3, The Long Night, much hyped episodes, The Battle of Winterfell. Um, and Shan, we've got some thoughts on how this battle went down. Uh, do you want to yeah, jump right so in? Yeah, so this was a, a brilliant battle. It was a brilliant spectacle. Um, that is what we could see on our screen. That being said, when you really pick it apart, some of the military strategy that we saw from this episode was kind of lackluster. Emotionally, there were a lot of huge payoffs, but when you really get into the nitty-gritty of the logistics related to kind of what John and Danny were up to and kind of the um, trenches that they had set up so close to the wall of the castle um, and different things like that, maybe a little less impressive. Yeah, um, I just kept wanting, uh, you know... Danny and Drogon to do a few more passes. John can, you know, swoop in on uh, Rhaegal and burn, you know, some whites and just lend a hand here and there. Um, a lot of folks are kind of uh, talking smack about Jon Snow. Uh, yeah, we're among chat. them. <laughs> yeah, in our group chat this morning, um, one of our friends, Arjun, was like, yeah, I wish uh, Jon Snow had kind of stayed dead. Um, wasn't super helpful, but... Whether or not that's completely valid, uh, we're I guess we're going to talk about that today. Yeah, it was just a really big bummer to kind of see John take a back seat in what should have been his own battle. Um, he's riding around on dragons. He can't really see much in this blizzard, and so he's not breathing a lot of fire off of Rhaegal, and it's just kind of a bummer. The Night King walks right past it, quite literally. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, John's kind of lame. and My dude just kind of yelled at the dragon. Yeah. I don't know what was... Going yeah. through his mind there, maybe not the best side. Oh. Oh. What? Oh, hi there. Um, well, hello. Oh my God. Um, this. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, is this John Snow? Hello. Have? Are you ready? Um. Oh. Did I come early? N no. Um. Wel welcome to the podcast. Um. We were just talking yeah. about. You know, the Battle of Winterfell. Nothing bad. Nothing yeah, bad nothing at bad. all. Um, uh, right. Really just celebrating your amazing victory. Well, th thank you. I can't really take much credit, but if you have questions. Honestly, I'm just really glad you're here. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of incredible. Um, as am I, it's an honor. I, I knew the Daily Cal was covering the Battle of Winterfell as a news story, um, as an actual thing that happened, um, but I didn't know that we were going to have Jon Snow in the office. This is pretty nuts. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm as surprised as you are, and I'm on upper management here, and they didn't even tell me. So. Oh my god. But since we have you here, I guess we can, yeah, ask some questions and kind of dig into this Battle of Winterfell that we got here. This is... Quite the opportunity, isn't it, Shannon? I know. Uh, unprecedented. Unprecedented. Say. I mean, I do wish that that you had maybe done more in the battle that we could talk <laughs> about, but we'll we'll get what we can. Uh, well, Th thank Lord, you, <laughs> Lord Snow, King Snow. It's just John. John. He just call me John. Okay. I suppose Aegon now. Aegon. But John. That's right. That's what I'm used to. All right. I'm gonna go with John. Uh, so, John, now that you're here on this podcast, um, what we usually do is just kind of uh, summarize the episode. We have our usual kind of beat-by-beat beat, uh, plot summary via Wikipedia, and uh, just kind of give our thoughts briefly. 
Vine forces of the living, comprising of the Dothraki, the Unsullied, and the Knights of the Vale, and the host of the North, prepare to battle the advancing army of the dead. Bran Stark is sent to the Godswood to lure the Night King, defended by Ironborn, led by Theon Greyjoy. Jon Snow, that's you, and Daenerys Targaryen ride the dragons Rhaegal and Drogon to the outskirts of the castle to ambush the Night King. As the battle is about to begin, Melisandre arrives and ignites the sword of the Dothraki horde with fire. Melisandre just comes out of fucking nowhere? <laughs> well, not out of nowhere. Perhaps the narrow sea. Also, perhaps a mer person. Yeah, I got across that narrow sea pretty damn fast. Added to my list of mer people. Can you confirm this, John? I don't know much about Melisandre. Okay, um, that's Do you know if Varys is a merman? I've never seen Varys go into water, so maybe but that's a clue. you've never seen his legs either. But you've never seen him walk I out of water. I can't say I've seen his legs or seen him interact with water, no. Confirmation that Varys is a merman. <laughs> um, well, I mean, okay, I guess like the thing that everyone's talking about is it was a very dark thing to see. I'm yes. curious, John, how did you see anything? Um, I've discovered since uh, coming on your campus I'm a bit myopic, so I couldn't really see much either. Um, but uh, regardless, we did what we could. Uh, Melisandre with the fire was actually quite helpful. Yes. Um, more, more than I could say. Incredibly helpful. Yeah. For sight. Yeah. But I was... The more I thought about the lighting of this episode, the less frustrated I was by it because... I think for me, like, the fact that it was so dark and so difficult to see made me think of how hard it was for all the characters to be able to see and how stressful that must have been and thinking about how difficult it would be to fight a battle like this in pitch blackness. And I think in some ways the poor lighting really put me in that in ways that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I think, like you, I'm kind of... I really like it in concept, less so in execution. Um... I know there's a lot of people that were saying that, uh, you know, watching it on a really good TV, they still had a, kind of a hard time um, making out some of the details. But yeah, I think it works really well in concept. Uh, I really like the idea of um, not really being able to see the threat that you're going after because that, that makes it so much scarier. And I'm sure you can attest to that, uh, John. Well, in a fight with death, you can never truly be fully prepared. If we'd had our full siege set up, we'd have had oil pouring from the barristers, we'd have had perhaps a lot more lanterns and fire to pass out to people, but she yeah. didn't really have the siege set up that maybe the Baratheons would have had in the, in the good old days. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, guess I'm, uh, I guess I'm wondering, in hindsight, uh, I'm wondering if there's anything you would have done differently, um, you know, with... Uh, you know, looking back, seeing like what you maybe would have changed, what you would have kept the same, um, all that stuff. Uh, perhaps, first of all, would have waited to tell Daenerys the um, story of my birth. We were a bit of a house divided after I told her that. Yeah. Um, I think that maybe could have been more on the same page if I'd left that detail out. Yeah. But beyond that, we just did what we could with what we had. Yeah, that really, yeah, I kind of agree. Maybe it wasn't your best move to, to drop that bomb going into that. Well, but I mean... Can't take it back now. I thought we were going to die, so... That is true. Um, there, that being said, there are secrets that you just kind of, you know, 
to your grave, but I understand you're a Stark. It's okay. Um, it's all good. Yeah. Um, Moving along? Yeah, sure, go ahead. All right. In the ensuing battle, the Dothraki draws the first charge and is quickly annihilated in the dark. Jorah retreats to the Unsullied, and as they begin formation, a gust of snowstorm aids the host of the undead whites and quickly overwhelms the forces of the living. Edison Tullet, the remaining commander of the Night's Watch, is killed, saving Samwell Tarly. So, it's a really heavy uh, line of description there. Uh, the Dothraki, gone. Ed, gone. John, I'm wondering if you can give us your thoughts on, well, one, the Dothraki being gone, how's Danny holding up with that? And, you know, uh, Ed, the last, uh, you know, OG member of the Night's Watch crew. Uh, your thoughts and feelings on that? I know that's kind of a hard subject, but... I suppose I can't speak for Danny. I know she loves her people. Um, it's a tragic loss. I'm glad that they felt passionate enough uh, to fight on the side of the living. But many, many lives were lost to save so many more. Um, had they not fought valiantly, I don't think that any of us would be here right now. So, I just hold it in my heart that they were able to give the ultimate sacrifice for you and me today. Yeah, well spoken. Very kingly of you. Not to make light of the Dothraki death, but I did think that shot of all the lights fading out in the distance was a gorgeous shot um, that we got to see. And... Yeah, might have been to me one of the defining moments in that episode. It's something that people will call back to years from now when they're thinking about some of Game of Thrones' biggest battle moments. I'm sure when they sing the songs of the Dothraki, uh, their their valiant charge and how uh, dramatic and uh, awe-inspiring that must have been uh, will certainly be um, spoken of. Um, that being said. <laughs> Uh, I do have a quote here from Vanessa Bogart of SlashFilm.com. Um, I'm re I really apologize for this, John, but it's really kind of tearing into the battle strategy of the night. Uh, it says here, The strength of mounted troops is in their speed and mobility, outmaneuvering dismounted forces to apply military might at the right time and place to achieve maximum effect on enemy forces. Uh, the article continues, Use the Dothraki as mobile archers, providing supporting fire to the unsullied battalions between the barriers. Um, this article is uh, pretty interesting because the writer talks to a longtime military officer who's also a Game of Thrones fan, kind of like they go into talking about how the knight could have went uh, in terms of battle strategy. Um, one of the things is to note is really just the plural of barriers there is one barrier, and it's very close to the walls of Winterfell, as Shan noted before. Um, and the article kind of goes into detail about how, like, multiple concentric rings of barriers would have been great. Uh, I was talking about this to a good friend, Mia Singer, at the weekend, and, um, yeah, just, like, I don't know, maybe a moat of water would be pretty nice, too. But, uh, I don't know, John, what do you think about that? Um, I feel pretty strongly about this, actually. Um, so, I can't say that I, personally... I'm the world's greatest tactician that Westeros has seen. I've probably read one book in my life. Um, it's kind of up to the men like Tyrion and them. I know you're laughing, but a lot of people died. Uh, I'm sorry. My for main more. job, my main job, is to unite the people so that they can even listen to the ones who've got it in their heads of what it is that we're supposed to do on that battlefield. Um, 
Dothraki themselves are supposed to be the most powerful force in an open field. Um, kind of did not anticipate how White Walkers actually take quite a bit more to be downed. Um, but as for myself, I'm just happy that we were able to fight together as a unified uh, force. Um, if it weren't for all of that work that we did for these past months, just getting people acclimated to having Daenerys and having her forces, yeah, I think we'd be fighting each other. That is true. And I apologize for being really kind of like uh, prodding about the battle strategy here. I know it was probably really tough in person. Um, uh, I did suggest hot oil, but we don't have it. We just didn't have hot oil. Oh, really? That would wow. have been the perfect siege device is hot know. oil. They couldn't have laid it down and put it out. It would have been great. You know, it's funny. We were talking about how bad the food in Winterfell must be, and not having oil probably seems like a contributing factor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, there but you go. fortunately, you did have some fire thanks to Melisandre, MVP of the first half of this episode. Uh, she's one of my favorites, so I'm really happy to see her make a comeback here. The other really cool part of this sequence was just the dragon fighting. Um, we haven't gotten a dragon on dragon battle before, and this one was pretty sick. The dragons are bleeding, they're ripping their flesh out. The Serion is literally bleeding blue fire, um, which was the coolest thing ever, but it must have been less cool for you, I imagine, riding on the back of Rhaegal. What was it like being on the back of a fighting dragon? Um, I don't have my dragon's license, so <laughs> it's really, really tough maneuvering. Um, I'm sure that there's something about Targaryen blood that even let me ride him in the first place, but um, no, I did not really have that much control uh, in that situation, but it was... Uh, was invigorating to be yeah. able yeah to, to say the least I'm not sure that's what you're looking for here um, it, it, was, it was rough yeah, yeah it was rough <laughs> it riding. looked pretty rough yeah. that, that fall that you took was it looked pretty rough um, so I mean I mean we're, we're sitting here uh, giving your crap for uh, the battle strategy but I mean you fell off a dragon I was, I was severely concussed and I about just broke near three ribs oh but, my god are you okay well I'm here now that is, yeah, I mean, thank you for being here despite three broken ribs, um, you know, and, you know, it's the loss of people close to you, like Ed, I mean, that must be really rough, so, I mean, thanks for being on the podcast in spite of all those things, um, and yeah, I mean, anything else that you want to add in terms of, uh, just riding Rhaegal, I mean, it kind of seems, I mean, from, from what we've seen of the uh, sneak peek at uh, events to come via Brand's Visions, aka HBO's sneak peek at the next week's episode. Um, we know that Rhaegal is okay. There was I was a little bit worried that Rhaegal was not okay, but we see him flying alongside Drogo, uh, Drogon. Um, so, I mean, Danny must be happy that her two two of her dragons are okay, right? I mean, we're not really speaking right now, oh, but. Man. I'm sure she's chuffed that the dragons are alright, um, but no, we're not really on speaking terms at this very moment. It must be pretty awkward. Uh, Danny, if you if you're listening, um, I love you, even though you're my aunt. Um, so you do still love Danny. I do. That's so romantic. Do I think it's romantic. Do you think? I mean, if you guys get back on speaking terms, do you think there's you know a future in terms of? I think we have to get married. Um, 
I don't think there's a choice. Probably politically, we have to get married. But I do love her separate from that. All right, Daenerys Targaryen, if you're listening. Uh, His heart's on the floor here. I mean, you can't see Jon Snow right now, but we can. And there is genuine uh, love and respect in the eyes looking back at me. <laughs> um, one of the things that I loved about this episode uh, is the music. Yes. Um, Ramin Djawadi uh, kind of goes full on Zimmer in this episode oh, with yeah. like a rhythmic, amelodic score um, for most, most of the battle scenes. And it really kind of reminds me of Dunkirk, um, which I like. Um, and it's really funny because in the game revealed kind of sneak, uh, like behind the scenes video that HBO put out, um, they do actually use the nice. music from Dunkirk. Uh, it's a to kind of as background music for the, those interviews uh, with the showrunners. And I thought that was uh, kind of an amusing uh, yeah, the resonance. score really, I think, embodies um, also a lot of the collaborations of different genres that we see. It has elements of a horror score to it, while still remaining a lot of fantasy style, um, very majestic and proud scores. We kind of see these elements um, talk to each other in the form of the score in ways that was really unique and reflected how unique this episode was yeah, in terms of its genre. I agree. And kind of, this is kind of skipping ahead, but um, the piano theme. Um, that comes on at the end is uh, really spectacular. Um, it kind of, it's one thing that I noticed is like how it kind of, the, the main melody ends on this kind of chord that sounds like two dissonant notes and it almost reminds me of like a literal song of ice and fire, um, which I, I love. Um, yeah, any more thoughts on the music of this episode from either uh, my co-host or Jon Snow? I didn't hear it. Oh. Yeah. All you heard was the music of clanging and yeah, it's kind of in the, the diegesis of the story right right yeah i'm this must be lovely. this sounds, must be a really confusing conversation sounds pretty lovely, for you um, yeah, yeah i really recommend watching it back with the music over it um i'm fair concussed so uh, yeah perhaps i just don't remember it <laughs> that is that is valid that is a distinct possibility that is valid yeah should we move on with yeah. uh, the rest of these events here yeah let's do it while defending the Northern Wall, Arya Stark is injured and chased off by a pack of lights. She is followed by Sandor Clegane and Beric Dondarrion. Beric sacrifices himself to let Arya and Clegane escape to Melisandre, who encourages Arya to fulfill a previous prophecy. So, I love this moment yes. um, when kind of Beric is like, hound, like, shake, shake it off. Like, look, Arya's fighting, and like, that's what you should aspire to. Um, and I love that that's what gets uh, the Hound back in action. Um, it just really shows the dynamic between the two. Um, yeah. Yeah. It reminded me of all those memes that we've been seeing about Sir Davos lately, where it's like anytime he interacts with a young kid, it's like the take custody of child <laughs> picture, because he just like wants to be everyone's dad. And I think the Hound really wants to be a father figure to Arya in some ways. Um, but I am really glad that Beric, in particular, um, his whole arc got a beautiful payoff in this oh, yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, and it's possible that the Melisandre line about um, blue eyes was too much of a giveaway for us in terms of what was going to be happening before the episode's end, but I think it was handled pretty well. I agree. Um, and the payoff that you're talking about in terms of Beric's story arc is how he's been brought to life um, many times, uh, something that I think you might empathize with, John. Um, and his, his purpose was to protect Arya. Um, so that Arya can um, 
kill the Night King. Um, and I was that was a beautiful way to wrap up that particular story. I just love the shot of Beric standing in the doorway, like his arms kind of mm -hmm. uh, holding the you know like the extent of the doorway, and he's just taking it like yeah. to let Arya escape. Um, that sounds really weird for someone who. John, you know, um, for me to speak of, um, but Beric went out a hero. Um, any thoughts on uh, Beric? Were you worried about Arya fighting on this battlefield? Um, I mean, worried, maybe not the word. Um, what Arya's done, what she's learned, uh, it's on the order of, she has a citadel of assassinry in her head. Um, if there's anybody who was prepared to do what she had to do, it was her. Um, she's clearly shown she has absolutely no qualms taking life and is very good at it. Um, as for Beric, I suppose he served his purpose. Um, death is the sweetest sleep I've ever had. So, oh can my only, god. I can only hope that he is able to go faithfully into that good night. Here at the Daily Cal office, we have. Uh, wall quotes where we print out memorable things that people say and stick them on the wall and I feel like death is the sweetest sleep is like worthy of yeah. a wall quote. I really feel that. That was that was something, yeah. That, yeah. Oh man. Uh, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, speaking of Arya, uh, this is kind of the point where um, the episode pivots away from kind of full-on battle to zombie horror. Um, which is pretty amazing. Um, you have some of the same tropes, like Arya using sound to distract the whites. Um, and I just love the sequence. It really reminds me of the kitchen scene in Jurassic Park when the raptors are going after um, the, the two kids. And, you know, it's kind of Arya doing the same thing. And, man, I was scared. I was really worried for Arya. Um, I, mean, I know I shouldn't be, because you just said that Arya is, like, the most capable person. But still, I, I was... My hands were really sweaty. Um, oh yeah, we were definitely all on edge, edge of our seats when we were watching this in the office on Sunday, and I, we definitely screamed a couple of times, and oh, someone yeah. from, you know, two cubicles down told us to calm down, but... But we didn't. It was a big deal. Um, but I agree that this was a really suspenseful moment. Have you seen Jurassic Park, John? No, but um, since I've been here, I've played a game called The Last of Us, and it's got a mechanic where you can throw bottles books and bricks. Oh man. And it uh, makes, they've got whites that are kind of druids. It makes them confused. They go over there. Oh, okay. I think mm. that that's kind of like what you were talking about. Yeah. I it's mean, a good game. Do you think you're going to bring it back to Winterfell? I mean, it's a pretty miserable... I can't. I mean, there's no like power outlets. That's true. It's just when I come over here. What about like the magic? I should ask about that. Yeah. I, really ask. I really want you to be happy um, and have... Have a game Fun play. things to do. It's been a nice in your spare time. Uh, vacation out here. I'm glad. Yes. Um, I'm glad that uh, that that's the conception of the Daily Cal uh, out there in the world. So, uh, moving right along, the Night King uses his dragon fire to breach the North Gate, uh, and as a white giant enters and attacks the Mormont banner, Lyanna Mormont kills the giant but perishes herself afterwards. Um, yeah, this broke my heart. I should have seen it coming, but man, that was rough. Yeah, I rewatched this moment um, a couple days later, and I was I was in class when I was watching it on my phone, and I just started almost crying. I was like, "Damn, really glad Game of Thrones is still so fucking emo after eight seasons of 
you know, watching Shireen get burned alive or seeing all these god-awful things happen to our youngest, most innocent characters. Not that Leanna's a super innocent character. I mean, she's a very powerful and um, interesting figure. But this was this one really hit hard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, thoughts on losing the fiercest member of House Mormont, John? I mean, unfortunately, we've lost all of House Mormont. And, um, yeah, a moment of silence for that. Yeah, Bear Island is... I didn't give a very good moment of silence, but this is a podcast. Really empty now. Uh, We will have a moment of silence uh, post recording um, for House Mormont, Um, especially because uh, one of us uh, loves one of uh, those Mormont guys uh, very, very deeply. uh, And we'll get to that later. Um, uh, But anyway, I mean, yeah, Leona Mormont went down um, in the most impactful way possible. Yes. Um, something I think people also overlook is, I believe that that was the giant 1-1. And if that is, um, then 1-1 has died charging into Winterfell twice in pretty much the same exact spot. Um, so bad times all around um, yeah. in Winterfell. Um, so moving right along, you want to take the shin? Sure, yeah. John charges at the Night King, and as the latter fights back, he is intercepted by Daenerys, who quickly dismounts him from his dragon and tries to burn him. Immune to dragon fire, the Night King retaliates by throwing a spear on a retreating Daenerys. John runs to face him in combat, but the Night King summons all the dead in the fortress to his aid, including the buried beneath the crypts, who begin attacking the sheltering civilians, including Sansa Stark, Tyrion Lannister, and Lord Varys. You know, Varys is pretty calm during this whole crypt scene. Mm, I wonder why. Probably because maybe there's, like, water under the crypts and he could swim into it. Oh, quick escape? Quick escape. Maybe they... Maybe the Whites don't attack mermen? That is a distinct possibility. Do you know if the Whites attack mermen? I don't... I don't know. Yeah, I've never seen a White attack a a merman or lady. Um, We did see in Harnhome that the Whites are very cautious of water, so it is possible that they don't interact with the mermen, such as Lord Varys, who is definitely a merman. Have we seen mermen? I mean, I'm sure they're they're there, but... We have. It's Varys. Yeah, we've seen Lord Varys. But other than that, no, we have not actually seen mer-people on Game of Thrones, but I'm holding out. I still have three episodes left for them to pack one in. Um, And a prequel. So. <laughs> Lots of time. Um, but in addition to uh, Varys, uh, I think it should be noted that you charged at the Night King. That's pretty intense. Uh, do you want to like just take us through what that felt like? Or uh, first of all, uh, I know that if, if he dies, then all the other whites got to fall. Um, so she took I took the chance that I could. Um, figured I was going to die anyway. There's no point dying a coward. Yeah. Well spoken. Um, Daenerys tries to uh, burn him and finds out that that's not going to work. Yeah. Um, pretty powerful moment there. Um, although I can't say that we were really surprised if that didn't yeah. work. Though some people are suggesting the fact that he did not burn in Dragonfire might um, suggest he's related to the Targaryens somehow. Since we, as far as we know, they're the only family that 
can survive Dragonfire, but that could also just be fan conspiracy. You don't have any, like, lost siblings that you don't know about, do you, John? You sure I have many. I'm one of them. <laughs> oh my god, that is true. Um, speaking of siblings, uh, Sansa is down here in the crypts, uh, along with uh, Tyrion, and I know we were really stressed out because um, the crypts doesn't seem like a great place to put someone during uh, a zombie invasion. Um, and I saw some tweets that were like uh, thinking that Tyrion and Sansa were going to commit suicide together. Um, you know, it's that moment that they share together, um, you know, that shows that they really do have a sincere affection for each other and like a sincere respect. Um, so I was really worried for them, um, but alas, they did not. Uh, instead, the dead did rise, uh, including the dead in the crypts. Um, I'm sorry, but I really got to ask John, uh, what what was kind of the rationale uh, to put these folks uh, in such a uh, sticky situation? Um, so I know that um, I'm not very well versed in memes, but I think it's applicable. Since I've been up here, uh, I saw a meme that said, jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams. Very, very similar to the rationale, which was, old bones don't break concrete crypts but mm. it did and uh, we couldn't really account for that figured right. that they would have been dust um, trying to escape from stone but right. we were wrong right um, it's a very very fatal mistake for a lot of the women and children who were hiding down there yeah uh, I mean thank you for speaking so, so frankly um, on what must be um, just kind of not really a crushing failure. Uh, not my words. Um, not my idea. Oh, okay. It's so his idea was it? It's Tyrion himself. Tyrion. I see. I see. I didn't think he'd be down there, though. So yeah, that's I kind of why we put him. Okay, yeah. No, I mean, Tyrion himself was kind of like, I kind of feel like I should be out there. Do you think that would have made a difference, or? Uh, I don't pretend to know what goes on in his mind, but perhaps he would have been a bit more careful about choosing the crib if he knew that that's where he was going to be. I see. Gotcha. Well, that's very insightful um, in terms of Tyrion's character. Um, uh, I don't know. Shan, do you have any more thoughts on this? No, I can't really think of anything. This scene was um, kind of what we were talking about last episode, we are thinking about Battle for Helm's Deep. Um, a lot of these moments with the dead rising and this very suspenseful turn of events really reminded me of the wall breach in that. But, you know, yeah, this was this was quite a, a terrifying moment for both, I'm sure, John and us and as fans. Yeah, it's really that, um, that kind of, like, oh shit moment where everything kind of seems uh, hopeless. But, uh, alas, hopeless it is not. Uh, and moving right along, Daenerys returns to the ground to burn the whites surrounding Jon, who quickly runs after the Night King to the God's Wood. He is stopped by the undead Viserion, while Daenerys is dismounted from Drogon. Surrounded by the dead herself, she is rescued by Jorah, Mom Jorah Mormont, who dies uh, defending her. Um, so, kind of a huge moment for you, Jon, um, where you're, you know, you're sprinting to get to the God's Wood, um, and there's this incredible moment where you see Sam 
getting piled on by whites. And it's, I mean, I can't imagine what that must have been like, having to choose between, you know, saving your brother and all of human history, or saving your best friend. Um, do, you have, do, you, do you want to speak on that a little bit, or? This might not sound very brave, but I couldn't see very well, and I thought he was already dead. Oh my god. Um, Jeez. That's, uh, that's you intense. Have, you gotta cut your losses. That's you intense. Can. Well, um, what was it? Happy that he's not dead. Yeah. But uh, I thought, was, he was, thought he was dead. What was the reunion like? I mean, if you thought he was dead, like, and you see he's not dead, I mean, that must have been pretty great. Uh, it was pretty quiet, actually. It was a pretty, pretty quiet reunion. I mean, we're still kind of mourning people who are dead, and even so, I'm sure he's a bit sore that I didn't offer my help, but I thought he was dead. So in addition to Danny not speaking with you anymore, do we have to add Sam to that list? I'm a bit in the doghouse right now. Oh, man. I mean, that's why you're... Is that that's why, why I'm here, yeah. Oh, my God. So one place to That sleep. put things into so much context. I mean, I'm very happy that I'm here. Thank you. But uh, it's not, yeah. very, not very warm in Winterfell right now. I mean, no, it's yeah. always kind of cold, but... I, I mean, I felt kind of bad for you before, having a lot on your plate, but now I just feel worse. I mean... Yeah, I mean, it really puts things into perspective. Uh, so... Now I totally get why maybe you were just so frustrated that you just screamed at Viserion. I that mean, was a distraction. It was, huh? Yeah, I, I stand by that. That was a distraction. Um, I needed to get Viserion's attention... And um, I knew what I was doing there. That that was a distraction. I see. Wait, so a distraction for Viserion to not kill everyone else in the courtyard. Yes. Okay, that makes a whole whole lot of a lot more sense. Um, I I come from this from the perspective of a learned maester who has read the How to Train Your Dragon books as a child, um, and one of the strategies to train your dragon. Um, I'm sure Daenerys knows, is uh, to yell at it. Um, so I imagine that that's what you're doing to Viserion right then and there. But I mean, apparently he, not. His eyes had kind of gone because he'd been so bludgeoned. So I was kind of relying on his earring to get him away from where I didn't want him to be. Right, right. So. And I mean, if you couldn't see anything, I can't imagine that Viserion would be really be able to see anything either. That's so, right. Um, wow, that, again, that just really puts things into context. So good thinking on your part. Thank you. Yeah, that really changed that moment for me, because um, I was ready to really rip into that. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of getting ripped into, um, somebody got ripped into pretty hard. Pretty hard. Jorah Mormont. I'm really upset about this, you guys. First of all, Jorah and Melisandre are my two favorite characters on this show, so this episode sucked for me, but it did especially suck for me to watch Jorah go. I've been rooting for him since the beginning. Um, but what a fitting way for my best guy to go out. Um, the only thing that would have been better is if he had had that blue ascot on that I love so much. But no, yeah, really great moment um, for him. And he really took a pounding at the end. I mean, he just kept standing up, fighting more, getting stabbed in the back, would stand up again. And dude probably killed like six more whites from the time we thought he was dead until he actually died. And I'm really proud of him. I, I, think, I think we are too. Uh, I mean, you knew him briefly, John. Um, you want to say anything on Jorah's passing? I mean, I'm very, very grateful that he protected Daenerys. And he's been protecting her for almost all her life. 
or since she came, uh, Carl and Blanky now, she's about 14, and she came uh, into his care, so very, very grateful for all he's done. Yeah. 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 Uh, right to the last minute. Um, Austin Goslin of Polygon points out that uh, Jorah's death is a fitting end to a house that was always known for its bravery, and whose motto was, here we stand. And uh, Stan Jorah did. Um, very heroically. Um, so, kind of want to get to what everyone's talking about uh, this episode. It's finale. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's the moment that is the defining, defining moment of this episode. The moment we didn't realize we were waiting for. The Night King finally arrives at the God Godswood for Bran and kills Theon. As hope fades with the undead, overwhelming the living, and the Night King prepares to kill Bran, Arya ambushes him and stabs him with the Valerian steel dragger Cutthroat. The Night King's death also kills his host of whites and white walkers. As the sun begins to rise, Melisandre, finishing her purpose, leaves the castle and wanders off into the snow. Removing her necklace, she dies from old age as Davos Seaworth watches. Uh, real quick, uh, we had an office Deadpool going on, um, and I correctly, correctly predicted that uh, Theon Greyjoy was going to bite it, and bite it he did. Um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, we see a shot of Theon drowning um, on mm -hmm. his blood, which is an awful image to uh, think about, but rather poetic, uh, given that he is an ironborn. Um, but also a Stark, so dying in Winterfell, um, protecting Bran at the Godswood, um, very fitting. Um, while I did get that right, uh, it's worth noting, Shannon, you did predict uh, that... Uh, yes. Okay. Well, two, one thing, I lost the Deadpool because I predicted Gilly was going to die, but I did predict that the Night King would die this episode um, in our last podcast, so I am quite proud of myself for that, and I think that trumps Harry's victory in the Deadpool. I guess the main takeaway here <laughs> is that we are all winners. Uh, I won the Deadpool, you won your own prediction um, <laughs> that... And John won the Battle of Winterfell. Um, but the real winner is uh, neither of us. It is Arya Stark. It is Arya Stark, the one the internet can't stop talking about. Um, I did just love her charging the Night King with her left hand, knowing full well she was going to have to drop the knight into her right hand. Uh, drop, yeah, the knife into her right hand to finish off the Night King. Um, very good, clever moment um, on the pipe part of the fight choreographers for this for this episode. Yeah. Something that I saw, um, I don't remember where, but someone was like, when John, you said, Oh, how'd you sneak up on me like that? Mm -hmm. Ari was like, haha, like assassin training and that really uh paid off here because the Night King didn't sneak coming. Um do you wanna talk a little bit uh about how you feel about this? Uh I mean you must be relieved and maybe also about how Arya feels about this. Uh I haven't seen Arya actually since I mean I saw her briefly but she's just been kind of been walking about on her own um, but relieved I am proud as well um, I can't even imagine what she had to go through to become so so adept in killing um, but she's Ned's daughter and uh, she's got Ned's spirit as far as never really backing down uh, that, pr that plan could have gone wrong in so many ways despite all of her prowess of killing. Um, but I'm proud. Uh, certainly proud. So are we. And, I mean, yeah, a lot of characters had really satisfying finales. I mean, the Night King dying was great. 
Theon dying in such a heroic and, as Harry mentioned, poetic way was really wonderful. I'm really bummed about Melisandre. Like I mentioned, I'm a big fan of hers, but this was, I think, the right time for her prophecy to be fulfilled with her own death. And, yeah, I'm all set to a phenomenal score. Yeah, um, let's just say that I've been listening to that on repeat um, as I uh, write my thesis slash uh, yell at it in the same way that you yelled at Viserion. Um, I, I really recommend checking out the score before you leave back for Winterfell. It's pretty great. I will. Um, yeah, so we're almost done here. Uh, anything you want to add, Jon Snow, about where you might, uh, where you think this is all headed? You know, um, what everyone's kind, of, where everyone's kind of at. I'm grateful that we've defeated one enemy, but we're not safe yet. And if you could keep us in your thoughts and your prayers. Greatly appreciate that. We're it's, all rooting for you. Thank you. I mean, well, some of us are. Uh, some people are kind of like, oh, does should John end up on the Iron Throne? Should Sansa end up on the Iron Throne? Should it be Danny? Should it be Cersei? Um, I mean, I suppose you're pretty biased about that. I mean, I never really wanted any of this. That is true. So might as well let the ladies duke it out. That yeah. seems fair, and it sounds like that's where it's headed. Uh, it sounds like. We know Miguel Sapochnik, uh, who directed this episode, is coming back for one more, and we can only assume that that's going to be maybe like a naval battle between uh, the Golden Company, um, the Targaryen fleet, something of that nature. Um, so yeah, lots to look forward to. Um, kind of a shocking it, like shocking kind of end to the story of the Night King, but I like it because then you know now we have to contend with um, Cersei and the fallout of. Uh, these characters in a more political sense, in a more personal sense. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where I that's where I land on this episode. Um, any any last thoughts, Shannon? No, I don't think so. This was a thrilling episode from start to finish, and I can only imagine what the next three episodes will have in store. And best of luck, John. Thank yeah, you. I mean you've had it real rough. Uh, you know, coming back to life only to almost die again in the Battle of the Bastards, um, and then, you know, finding a reason to live through Daenerys Targaryen, and then finding out that she's your aunt, and then, you know, having this, uh, it's been, it's been, it's been, I imagine it's been pretty rough for you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not that weird, a lot of those things, just kind of got used to it, but, yeah. uh, it's been rough, it's certainly been yeah. rough. Yeah. You know what? I know a lot of people might be against the whole incest thing between you and Danny, but just know that I am all for it. Yeah, it's pretty common. I I just want y'all to be happy. Um, so that's that's where I land on it. Um, and if we've got nothing else, uh, this has been uh, Real Talk on The Daily Californian. Uh, come back next week for uh, more Game of Thrones. Um, and as always, tweet us at Daily Cal Arts. Pick up, uh, pick up a newspaper. Pick up some Valyrian steel. Um, and yeah. Yes, thank you guys so much. Um, we'll be back next week, and we will wait along with you guys for this Sunday's episode and see what's coming next. All right, cool. signing off. All right. Nice.